You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Find subtle ways to challenge your biases and be inclusive. So whether it's in the language you use or the actions you take, even if you don't think it affects you personally, it does. We all have people in our lives who are affected by our behavior or weddings. Like we have to take actions to show people that we care, even if they're like not in the room. When an industry is supposed to be built on love, joy, happiness, connection, and the actions actually being taken within it are anything but, well, guess what? This is the wedding industrial complex. So let's start to peel back some of the layers on it today, right here on Pause on the Play, where we challenge you to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, along with my co-host, India Jackson, ready to get the dialogue going. So I have been in the beauty industry for over 20 years, and a large part of that, my salon serviced weddings. And being in the wedding industry and watching things go terribly wrong, not in the sense of bridezillas or things, you know, oh, the music didn't play, the flowers didn't come, not those things but watching wedding vendors not be able to eat, watching entire wedding parties not be able to be affirmed properly because they were forced to be called a wedding party when they were simply a gathering. And being able to have an an event where you didn't have to go with the terms that everyone else said you had to do. You're a bride, you're a groom, you're a groomsman, you're a bridesmaid, any of these things. I have watched so many things go terribly wrong that did not affirm the love and connection. That was exactly why the event was happening to begin with. And I couldn't think of having this conversation with anyone else but Shannon Collins. Shannon is an amazing human. Shannon is a part of uh, a pause on the play, the community, and has just taken so much of their time and energy in really affirming people and showcasing how things can be done better, but also calling out the bullshit for what it is. And that is why I love me some Shannon. So as Shannon, India, and I get into it, I'm ready for you to be able to listen in. Let's go. Hey, hey, India. Hey. How are you? I am well. 
Well, I think the listeners might benefit from knowing that we've been trying something new. We have actually been recording more episodes in a day than we have in the past and building our recording resilience. So my question is many episodes later into today, and it's not even 2 p.m., how are you? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I, I am at three out of five and I'm going to hope that my chickenless chicken tenders and these couple of tater tots that I threw in my face is going to sustain me to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with it. However, I will say that I've really been waiting for this conversation for a long time because as someone that was in the wedding industry for over a decade, like there's a lot that needs to be discussed and there's a lot that needs to be addressed. And so I am uber excited that we have an amazing person that is here to have this conversation with us. And I couldn't imagine having this conversation without them. So if you could please introduce everyone to Shannon Collins, I'd be super excited. This feels so strange reading this bio. It's an incredible bio. And like, we know Shannon personally. (laughs) Shannon is an amazing human. So, and this is where I'm always like, here's the bio and then there's the human. Yes. Okay. For those of you that don't know, Shannon Collins has been aiming to capture joy as resistance for 12 years as the owner of Shannon Collins Photography. They connect clients with affirming vendors and advocates for safer, more diverse, inclusive, and accessible industry standards. In the past year, Shannon came out publicly as non-binary, queer, and disabled. Shannon recently founded Euphoria, a project dedicated to celebrating and photographing trans, non-binary, and gender non-conforming youth in the Philadelphia area at no cost. And Shannon also volunteers for the Trevor Project every week as a crisis counselor. And Shannon lives in the Philadelphia suburbs with their partner, two children, Chinchilla, Dutch Hound, and 38 patient houseplants. I don't even know how you manage 38 patient houseplants. (laughs) That has to be a lot of patients. (laughs) Shannon is absolutely all around incredible. And I can't wait to dig into this conversation. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. I think it's more like 35 plants since I wrote that. So yeah, don't judge me. <laughs> Some of them just can't make the cut. Like we we do the best we can do. And as a plant parent myself, yeah, it, just, it doesn't always work out the way we intend. Yeah. Oh, it's rough. This is so exciting. I feel like I'm like on the back end for the first time. I listen every week. So I feel like such a fan right now. So I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Again, I could not imagine talking about the wedding industrial complex, the wedding industry in any way, shape or form and not having you be a part of it because we have talked about it. And the reality is, is that being a wedding photographer, you are witnessing a lot of what's happening, you know, personally. And you're also witnessing this, you know, during COVID, which adds another layer to it. And it like there's so much, so much to dig into. So I'm yes. super excited. So I feel like I would love to kind of start off by setting the stage for those that aren't familiar with the wedding industry. Um, I would like to know a little bit of 
how you would describe it, because I feel like the wedding industry set the stage for part of how you operate as a human. So I actually want Mm. both of those parts. So is it okay if I kind of geek out with some historical context and then flow into like where we are right now? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So prior to COVID, the wedding industrial complex, like you called it, was like a $72 billion industry, which is just like hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, But they used to kind of be like simple affairs. Like I know that when you see a wedding now, you think like, ooh, glitz and glamour. But like back in the, you know, 1800s, it was kind of like more of a chill vibe. It was like people were just kind of getting married and hanging out. Sometimes they wore brown. Shock. Um, and then mm-hmm. Brides Magazine like debuted in the 1930s and then World War II happened and there was this boom in marriages. Uh, and that just kind of became like this occasion to display people's wealth and class. And then in the 60s and 70s, it was more my kind of vibe where it was just like young couples were choosing more simple weddings. Interracial marriage was legalized, which is when we celebrate Loving Day. Uh, and then in the 80s, that's when like this lavish wedding started coming back because Princess Diana her wedding was televised with like, I don't know, like 750 million television viewers. So it made this like Mm -hmm. huge impact on people. And they wanted to have these fairy tale weddings, which turns out are like often capitalist and classist and unsustainable. And then with COVID, uh, I think it was like half of 2020 weddings were rescheduled for 2021. So with that came this like surge in popularity of micro weddings, what, what they're called, which is just kind of like, you know, you have like 12 or so guests and under. Um, and people are opting for that over postponing. Uh, and I think like the wedding industry in general can make us feel like only white, pretty privileged, uh, thin, cisgender, straight, non-disabled people get married. And that can make the rest of us feel unlovable. I think that's like really visualized mm-hmm. in shows like The Bachelor, where you kind of just saw their first like black bachelor ever, which is wild. There's typically mostly only like heteronormative relationships on that show. So it's just like, that kind of summarizes my feelings of the wedding industry. If you just like turn on the bachelor and want to throw tater tots at your screen. (laughs) (laughs) So with all that, first of all, thank you because everything that you said, I think was necessary because it can be really easy to just witness it as it is today and not understand that there's an entire history and long tail that goes with it and being able to have that and then where it is now and what it's doing, I think does set the tone and it gives some context for where we're going to go. And I do think that a lot of what you said, like it really does set the tone for who you are because you gave context that regularly isn't given. The Mm -hmm. fact that it's not highlighting, you know, somebody that isn't getting married for the first time, somebody that's not young. It does not center anyone that is not cisgendered, heteronormative, white, Mm -hmm. normatively pretty, you know. And so anything outside of that is not centered. And I think those people that are not regularly centered as worthy or beautiful or amazing or in love really does kind of tell a little bit of how you operate as a photographer. So I'd love for you to tell a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I try to just like keep in mind that like I live in a city that's 44% black because when I go and check out the feeds of my peers and even like myself, I'm not going to like be exceptional to this. uh, It doesn't reflect the diverse community that I live in. And it's just 
frustrating for me as a vendor. And I, I'd imagine it's even more frustrating for people planning their weddings because it takes a long time to scroll through most of the like popular wedding publications to see like fat people represented or queer people represented. Um, yeah, it can be super discouraging. So I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> oh, no, it, I think it does. And I think it does bring some humanity to the fact that even when you are literally living in or surrounded by more diverse people, it's not showing up mm -hmm. in the information that's being taken in. It's not showing up in the way that things are being publicized. And as someone, you know, who was in the wedding industry for so long, like I know that for me, it still was, you know, a challenge to get people that look like me to feel safe to even inquire about services because they were so regularly not considered when businesses right. were created. So for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, well, they're not going to be able to help me or they're they're not going to be able to take care of my diverse party. So I'm just not even going to ask. And unfortunately, it creates this, you know, kind of closed mouth system because people are just like, I'm going to have to figure out something else because I know that this is not for me. And it there might be mm -hmm. people that are trying to fix that, but it's so hard to push through, you know, using one of the like online platforms, the like first eight pages that are super homogenous of vendors to sort through. Well, and what stands out to me in this conversation is for anyone listening and they're like, oh, but I'm not a part of the wedding industry. You know, it's taking a moment to pause and recognize that the wedding industry touches everyone. I think it'll be a very rare occasion that you can find someone who has not at the very least had someone in their family get married or attend a wedding. So this literally touches so many of our lives, even if we don't work within this industry. And it is such a big industry with so much money. Mm -hmm. There's so much money being distributed and wealth being distributed within this industry. I mean, it's almost as big as the food industry. And here we are, and there's no representation, inclusivity, belonging. Yeah. I think about how the way that the wedding system is set up really feeds into so much more. And I don't think it's always considered. It feeds into, okay, now if you decide to have children, um, if you choose to actually buy a home, which some people have opted out of, but if you do choose to do that, it goes into a lot of other industries that our economy utilizes as a, a large part of how money is funneled in. And yet the people that are centered in this process and who's actually going through it and who's putting their money in it, like who's voting with their dollars in this way, it's not equitably showcased at all. Yeah. I'm wondering what is showing up for you that you are seeing Shannon within your experiences as a photographer and how might that have changed over time um, since you've been in the industry? Yeah, it's definitely changed. I've been doing this for like 12 years, which a lot has changed in that amount of time. I've like gone through a divorce. I've remarried. I've had kids. I've had brain surgery. <laughs> I've like come out, like you mentioned, and survived a pandemic so far. Um, and just like seeing that transition, like when I first started in 2009, I was photographing commitment ceremonies and then seeing same-sex marriage legalized in 2014. Like it's strange to think that that was only like seven years ago. And it's also weird to think that marriage equality isn't 
really a thing yet because like disabled people can't get married in a lot of cases uh, without risking their benefit, income or medical care. Um, so I feel like the pandemic also gave me like this chance to focus on capturing more intimate celebrations and doing like maybe two or four hours of coverage versus like an eight hour day and this like hustle culture. And it really allowed me to like slow down and I think when people are planning these smaller celebrations, it gives them this opportunity to cut to uh, direct their money toward elevating the experience for everyone. And that can look like really putting your dollars toward things that matter to you and having the time to like look into a DJ that's bilingual and things like that. I will take it. Thank you. Um, but thank you for also acknowledging that the values matters. And the funny part is, is when we were kind of coming up with the the concept for this conversation. One of the things that came up was there's literally a removal of love from the love industry. Yeah, the industry has nothing to do with love. Like yeah. from the outside looking in, it's like, oh, but it's love, and you're celebrating your love with this big party, and it's the reality is just so different, mm-hmm. right? So, I think that there's the removal of love because you're not actually showcasing love as it is with the the marketing piece of it. But I also think about the fact that it becomes so transactional and that there's no human love involved. I have, you know, while there's all kinds of horror stories when it comes to the vendors, I have been the vendor that, you know, I can be standing on my feet for five hours straight. And then I walk out and I hit the hallway and I'm like, Oh God, my head. Oh God, my stomach. I have not eaten. I have not had water. I'm going to die. I'm going to (laughs) die. And, you know, it's this place of like, you have this individual that has come in to spend half or in some cases an entire day with you and people that they don't know. And it never occurs to you like, hey, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Do you need to sit for a minute? And I'm like, where did the humanity go? We became so transactional that a wedding vendor is simply about providing a service. They are no longer a person that has bodily functions that needed to be attended to. And they and you just the care is gone. Yeah, I I feel like we've touched on this before in private conversation, but I would love for you to share for the listener, Shannon, as you talk about how you've been enjoying some of these smaller or shorter length of time engagements. You know, what did that look like for you in the past when you did have these eight hour or 10 hour or whatever that may have been wedding projects as a photographer? Mm, Yeah, it's been pretty brutal in the past, especially as someone who is like nursing So that meant I had to kind of like pencil in times to pump, which would be like, okay, I can maybe last like four or five hours without becoming engorged and getting an infection. Like I went through (laughs) that. That was not fun. It's brutal. And people will like, no one knows where you can go pump privately. You're like in a bathroom stall, like the mother of the groom's coming in and saying, I need to come in. And I'm just like, hi, these are my breasts. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, (laughs) Uh, and like the amount of UTIs I've gotten from like just holding it because I'm like, oh God, I can't pee because like first dance is happening and this is happening. Like I can't go pee literally, or I'm going to miss something important. Like my body was not being taken care of. So now that I do like four hour, you know, weddings, I have time to urinate, which is a blessing. Hashtag blessed. Uh, and it's just, (laughs) 
like Erica and I were sending this, I think you sent me a meme where that photographer had deleted all his photos because he wasn't fed at a wedding. And we were just like yes. cackling about it. I was like, good for you. Like you should be fed. Your basic needs should be met. Like it shouldn't even be a question. And yet it is. We aren't really treated like people. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I can completely relate. Uh, full transparency, you know, when photography was a main thing that I was doing, I refuse to do weddings unless I absolutely love the human, which means I've done less than five. (laughs) (laughs) I would do it as a second shooter, maybe because there was just so many instances that I saw that it's like, oh, this is this is still America, right? This um, we chose this as an um, a career, correct? Because <laughs> if someone had offered me a position within their company where you never got to eat in an eight-hour window, urinate, or in your case, uh, pump, I wouldn't take the job. So it's just, it's so interesting that I think unless you've been in it as a listener, you have no idea that this is what's happening when somebody's kindly smiling at you and taking their picture <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> No, but I also would be remiss not to jump a topic, but to also acknowledge that (laughs) when you, India, and I were in the beauty industry and doing um, some of the freelance or some of the counter work with some of the uh, larger, well-known brands, very similar cultures existed. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's in retail as well. bathroom. Right. You can't eat. You're standing a ridiculous amount of time in shoes that no one should stand in on concrete for hours on end. And drinking water. Oh, no, you'll ruin your lips. We don't do that. Like you are not a human. You are a robot. Go make my money. And to think of how this type of structure is tied to something that is supposed to be beautiful baffles me. It mm-hmm. absolutely baffles me. Something that is supposed to be about love and celebration. It absolutely baffles me. And while I think there's been so many things within the wedding industry that have not changed over time, is there any like one thing or maybe two things that have really stood out for you that you're just like, I cannot believe that this is still what this is. Oh, I have so many things. You're going to be so mad. <laughs> oh, no, like, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to like pause me, but I'm going to go on a tangent. I want you to be able to pause me whenever you're like, let's go deeper into that. And, then, and if I okay. over ramble, please pause me. Again. Grab ah, the mic. Everything you're saying is gold. And I just also wanted to say that like how you touched on like the fact that we can't take care of ourselves, like that feels super ableist to me that like as people, as a photographer, like I don't feel like I can get sick and take a sick day. Like I'm just going to go to your wedding and like quietly vomit in the bathroom. Like can it's I tell not you, normal. <laughs> I have had, I have had um, back spasms and I've literally had people drive me to a wedding and I just stayed vertical. I got there and I propped myself up and I pushed my way through. I've done mm-hmm. that. And I've I've done it for photo shoots. Like, unfortunately, one of them was with India. She's like, you're a muscle relaxer. You should probably go home. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm fine. And that's my own conditioning to push through. Yeah. 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 It's wild seeing people with broken ankles just like working through it. And it shouldn't be normalized. And it's just like expected of us. But anyway, sorry, I went on a side tangent. Uh, Mm -hmm. Things that haven't changed enough over time, I would say that like, just like I'm tired of looking at magazine covers that are just like white, thin, you know, like 
pretty, in air quotes, uh, you know, presumably straight, not disabled people. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of vendors writing as if brides are the only people who they're marketing to, which is just confusing right. to me that that's like, we, like, even if it's not a gay couple with just men, like, there's still grooms who want to be involved with planning their wedding. <laughs> like, I don't understand mm-hmm. that. Um, and as a photographer, I feel like something that I, I see a lot is anti-fat bias popping up. The way that we're told to photograph bodies to be like, you know, quote unquote flattering. It's just like filled with anti-fat bias. I remember there was a time when I was a second shooter really early on in my career and the main photographer called me up and scolded me until I cried, telling me that like, how dare I take a close up of a fat bride? And <gasps> I, that mm. shit needs to be disrupted. It's still in all these Facebook groups I'm in, like that is common to be like, oh my God, don't photograph them from below. And I would like to disrupt that. Like some bodies take up more space and they shouldn't only be allowed, they should be embraced and we should want to photograph them from all angles and let them fully take up space and be themselves. I'm going to tell you when I tried on wedding dresses, one of the places that I went to, the woman kept giving me, like I wanted to pick out dresses. She wouldn't let me. And Mm -hmm. as I was trying them on, this was a place to where they didn't have like a size that they would just kind of clip you into so you could see what it looked like. They were just literally just the sizes. And I got one on and she zipped me into it. And she's like, that looks good on you. It's really slimming. I was like, Uh, just call me fat. (laughs) Just call me fat. Just say what you gonna say. And I'm like, really? Really? Like, you want me to spend my money in your store, right? (laughs) That's awful. Uh, It's so hard to find like dresses that are not just straight size that are beyond that, and and to even see photos of people in dress, it's just like, uh. If you want, how about we just don't, how about we show something that isn't a dress and isn't a white dress? How about that? Yeah. Because we had a bride once that had a red dress and everybody was just like, her dress is what? It's like, she looks good in it and she likes it. That's all that matters. Like, get thine gone with that foolishness. Like before the mid 1800s, like brides always wore red and they didn't start wearing white until Queen Victoria was like, I'm going to fuck some shit up in 1840. And she just like started wearing white. And now we're just like all virgins. Like, no, stop it. We're not virgins. Mm -mm. We're fine. No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I don't know if I went. Can I can I ramble more about the like things that keep going? (laughs) I feel like you were in a right lightning round. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, good. (laughs) There's so much. Um, okay, can because you're like, I mean, in Silver Immersion, I feel like Erica, you had so much experience in the like hair and styling field. But I feel like in my experience, there's a lot of like teams of just white women, like a dozen yep. white women who are doing hair and they, they like to call themselves a tribe. They also like to be like appropriative, <laughs> which is delightful. Uh, oh. And like, I will see black family members have to like do their own hair, have to do their own makeup because like the artist didn't think maybe I should pack like a wide spectrum of skin tones in my kit. Like it is upsetting. And if you call them out on it, they're just like, love is love. Like we're going to be like positive. You're being toxic. Like, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. no. And here's the thing. They, they don't have the products they need, but they also don't know how to use them well. And so Mm -hmm. I, it really anchored Silver Immersion specifically on being able to support um, diverse bridal parties. And so when it came to hairstyles, skin tones, 
um, any of those things, it was really important. And for a long time, first of all, it was just the fact that it was the very gendered language. And so Mm -hmm. I changed all of that and it became attendance. It became, you know, client. It wasn't bride and groom. And, you know, first of all, that in itself was like, what? I don't know what that means. And I'm just like, y'all, you'd be a client in any other business. So why are you confused (laughs) here? (laughs) Right. And I specifically sought out to hire people that they either knew how to do um, diverse um, hair types and textures and skin tones. And that included, you know, age ranges, because if you have, um, you know, a, a client that is 29, but, you know, the their parents are like, I don't know, let's say 65. There's a big difference there. And you need to know how to be able to have the appropriate products and use them well. And, you know, you either needed to know how to do it or you needed to be willing to learn. And that's been one of the things that for me, I've become really passionate about, you know, supporting companies in how can we train our artists in this way? How can we seek out artists in this way? How can we let the people that we're marketing to know that we can actually service you and not just because we don't want to lose your money and you're going to show up and we're all going to be blonde, white, thin and have no idea what we're doing because I've worked for those types of um, companies too. And I was tokenized. Oh, there's a black girl here. We're going to give her everybody that is not us. And then the white women would look at me like, why are you here? Yeah. I had a wedding where a bri- a, um, an attendant was talking about the person they were dating. And a family member came in the room and looked at the picture and were like, why are you dating him? And they were like, why? And this was a younger um, girl. She said, because he's black. And mm-hmm. everybody looked at me. And I'm like, I don't know what y'all looking at me for. I ain't getting into this foolishness. I'm not, don't, don't look at me. I'm not here to reprimand her. I don't get paid for that today. I have nothing for, (laughs) for this Asian individual that has decided to bring that rhetoric about this white woman who was dating someone who actually was Samoan. So your ignorance just piled up in so many ways. I'm not here for that. I'm not here for this. Uh, Uh, I'll never forget the many numerous times that I heard clients saying, we came to you because I we were a bridesmaid or we watched a bridesmaid at a previous wedding that <laughs> had what I call Casper the ghost makeup, which is basically when rather than say, I don't have foundation to match you and I don't know what I'm doing with people who are darker complexions, I'm just going to put whatever I have on your face and wing it and make you like five shades lighter. and it's the the and i i hate that one there's this money grab of it but two there's this assumption of your hair texture and skin type is not valid enough for me to put extra time and effort into learning how to do it or to simply be honest enough about what i don't know how to do at this particular point in time and the second piece is um And I don't think it's out of being malicious, right? But it comes with the territory that then when you start altering how someone sees themselves in the mirror and it's not a way that they feel comfortable with, you now are digging into potentially some internalized racism about Mm -hmm. 
people believe that I need to be lighter than I am, or people believe that my hair needs to be so straight that they're going to now fry it because they don't know what they're doing. So there's just so many layers to that. And see, then I feel bad for the photographer because you have to capture this person that was forced to wear makeup or a hairstyle that wasn't done properly, doesn't flatter them. And yet they're supposed to smile for the camera. Oh, you're so pretty. Why aren't you smiling? Mm. I feel like that really intersects with like gender stuff too, because I know you mentioned like I I do the volunteering with the Trevor Trevor Project. And Mm -hmm. as a crisis counselor, like it's not uncommon for me to talk to kids who are like forced into outfits that don't affirm their gender expression because they're like part of a wedding party and they have to wear a dress. Like the ways we make people have to fit in these molds that go against who they are as people really can impact them. And, you know, beyond just that day, like it, it has like very bad circumstances can happen. And it's just, it's brutal to watch it go down like in person as well. Cause you're kind of helpless and I'm just like trying to capture it and just like be positive, but ugh, yeah. But people wear a suit if they feel good in a suit. I feel like you are incredible at being able to take in the experiences that you're having, the lessons that you're learning, the education and relationships that you're taking in. And then very quickly, I mean, the same way some people would identify as a quick start from my perspective, you very quickly integrate that into how you navigate through life, through business, through the way that you show up. And I'm wondering if you could share with the listeners, how are you modeling a different way of navigating the challenges and limits of the wedding industry? India, I'm like blushing and I am going to try to accept the compliment without throwing my crystal you gave me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Oh, your poor sound engineer is just going to be like, oh, this person flails and screams a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Uh, There were no lies said there. Nope. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I feel like you have been good teachers because you're all about like imperfect action and showing up. And I feel like throughout that process, I just try to share my takeaways with my little like modest audience on Instagram and get uncomfortable together. I feel like For me, I'm trying to approach people with like open-ended questions rather than statements. If I'm saying, you know, like what you're doing is ableist, they're going to be like not listening to anything I have to say Um, that, you know, if I come at them with more of a like, oh, how do you feel about this thing? Then they may have some more curiosity versus defensiveness. So like that could look like me being like, hey, I noticed you don't do image descriptions. Why is that? Um, Usually people want to learn more. Uh, there was a recent time where I asked like a white led wedding blog, something like I was just saying, like, uh, how do you think your black audience might feel if they see all the AAVE you're using? So that was where I used an open ended question and it totally backfired and they were very defensive. So I was like, cool, maybe that rule doesn't always work, (laughs) but I'm still going to fucking try because stop saying AF in every piece of marketing you do when you're just a team of white women. Oh, sorry, tangent. Don't, don't, uh, <laughs> no, because that, that'll just piss me off. But thank you. Because, in my head, yeah. I heard you say it in this way. As fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was an excellent white woman, India. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but, I feel. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I please continue, because I think you do a really good job of 
demonstrating what's possible while also showcasing like, this is my journey. This is kind of what I'm learning. This is what I'm experiencing. It, it at no point does it come with like, here's a side of shame and blame while I call you out. Mm, that makes sense. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, I think that like showing people what I mean is helpful. So like if I'm saying that the wedding industry doesn't feel inclusive, I like made a affirming language guide to kind of like talk about how so much is gender, like bride and groom, bridal party, bridal suite, ladies and gentlemen, like when the DJ announces everything, like just giving alternatives to that. So people don't feel overwhelmed, just saying like couple and then even couple cannot be inclusive in the way that like some polyamorous people get married also. And so they like to be referred to as like marriers or partners. So being really mindful of language is huge. And I try to affirm my clients throughout my entire workflow. So that can look like having pronouns in my intake forms and then checking in again with a questionnaire as the day gets closer. Because if you're like me, I had like she, her pronouns this time last year, and now I have they, them pronouns. So I don't like to assume anything of anyone. Yeah, I do a lot of like geeky backend stuff on my questionnaires to try to ask like, who is being photographed, which leaves space for more than two partners. Um, what do people like to be called? Because bride and groom doesn't feel good for everyone, just like mom and dad might not feel good for people who are gender non-conforming. Um, asking things like, is anyone photosensitive to flash? Like there, mm. you know, it, I know that like not everyone listening is a photographer, but if you think about your industry and the ways people are impacted, if you're a caterer and you're not letting people bring their own food to a wedding, like that needs to be questioned as to why they can't do that. People have allergies or all sorts of reasons they may need to have their own food. I went on a, such a big rant. I have like <laughs> so many things I could say, but I don't want to, over ramble. <laughs> no, no, everything you said was so important. And even the one where you mentioned yeah. the flash that goes beyond the photographer. If you're a guest and you've bought your camera or you're mm. using your phone, right? It's important to know whether or not you can have that flash on as well. And these are questions that people are typically not asking. Mm -hmm. No. And the biggest thing that I heard from what you said as well is that it's not limited just to the wedding industry or to the photography industry, be only because of the fact that having questionnaires that address things like, you know, how do you want to be addressed, bringing up pronouns, um, bringing up the specifics of your industry, i.e. using flash, um, dietary preferences. Um, I think that there's not enough questioning happening to actually want to get the responses and figure out what can I do with this? How does this support the outcome? How does this give a better experience? And I think anyone listening that either has a business or is a part of a business, that there is likely at least one place that you can update your experience to be more inclusive and affirming of the individual. Hell yes. That would be awesome. Yeah. Just like do the find and, you know, replace with the word bride in your website. And I know that like not everyone works with brides, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of gendered language parents and things like that. So as we get toward the end here, we always like to have one action that we can send the listeners off with that they can actually utilize after they've taken in this episode. So if you were to provide that one action, Shannon, what would it be? Ooh, I knew you asked this. So I was like, I can prepare. I've listened to your podcast. I know this is the structure. I feel like such a little like sneaky individual. Uh, 
So before taking action, I wanted to recommend something that I found really helpful. I took a class by Nova Reed called like diversity and business. And she recommended checking out the Harvard implicit association test um, just to kind of like check out your own hidden biases. It's something that I revisit. I just did it today. And I was like, God, I am so fucked. Like I have so much I need to work on. I like, you know, I'm on Instagram being like, wow, and you know, inclusivity and diversity. And yet I have so much to work on. So once you find out what those things are, you can better kind of confront and dismantle them. Uh, and then just like find subtle ways to challenge your biases and be inclusive. So whether it's in the language you use or the actions you take, even if you don't think it affects you personally, it does. And like India said earlier, like we all have people in our lives who are affected by our behavior or weddings. Um, I don't know if it's okay if I share an example of like a small gesture that I think a previous client did that I that I think would be helpful to kind of like visualize that. Of course. Cool. Um, so I had a cisgender client ask if their wedding venue could cover the men's and women's bathroom signs with a printout that said gender neutral restroom. And I like love that they took that step on their own, but it's something that I think could be taken even further. Like what if the venue made that a permanent version of their sign? And what are they saying about the people they think that are using their bathrooms when those signs come down at the end of the day? Like we have to take actions to show people that we care, even if they're like not in the room. And that could look like showing your pronouns, which you talked about. It could look like not assuming people's gender or avoiding ableist language, which I'm trying. And uh, AAVE if you're not part of those groups. So those are just some ways that I've tried to take small steps. Mm, Thank you so much, because those are really important steps. And they're ones that people can start today with no delay. Absolutely. Everything that you shared was extremely helpful. And I think it gives a lot of food for thought. And the biggest thing that I want people to recognize is that everything that we've discussed, any of the possibilities that you can embark on, please know that there is grace for those that seek it. And please feel as though you can simply start and learn along the way. You will get better. You will continue to evolve. And we're all working through this process together. So Shannon, as we begin to go ahead and finish up, actually finish up this time, people like to hate <laughs> this episode, um, tell <laughs> everyone Um, tell everyone where they can find you and take in your content because your content's amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm probably most active on Instagram at Shannon Collins photo. And then my website's shannoncollins.com. And then the Euphoria organization you mentioned is euphoria.org. Is this where I get to thank you and like be really excited that I was on the show (laughs) or am I interrupting? (laughs) You are not interrupting. I want everyone to know how amazing everything that you do is, how much we value you and how, how much gratitude we have for everything that you do and how much, you know, you do in the community and you're an active member and we love we love how you support others and allow us to support you. So I had to bring that in too. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being an incredible example of what it looks like to continue to do this work and to continue to impact the lives of others. Thank you. You're both excellent leaders. You're like my little Yodas and I am so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. This was one of those conversations that could have went on for hours more. But of course, you know, sometimes I got to rein it in. And the beautiful part here is that if you want to have 
more from Shannon. Shannon was also interviewed this week over on Flaw Your Fire. Shannon and India are getting into the concept of finding the courage to be visible as a photographer in an industry that is built on maintaining the status quo. If that right there isn't fact, I don't know what is. So go check Shannon out this week over on the Flaunt Your Fire podcast with India. And with everything we talked about today, I think the beauty of it is that we really did highlight, you know, what happens when you can make shifts you know, culture making, I'll call it, within the wedding industry, Um, when you can invest in inclusive vendors that are determined to do things differently. And this is a way that you can vote with your dollars, which just so happens to be what we are talking about in the community. And it's really important when you have events and you are able to use your money to support what it is that you support, that you utilize that capital to support the things that you believe in, in life, in work, and if you're choosing to gift. So if you want to learn more about what we are talking about this month in the community, or if you would want to be a part of some of the events we're having, um, we would love to have you in there. We have a crystal party coming up. Like there's so much going on and you want to be a part of it. I know you do. So come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community. You can join today and you get to meet Shannon. They're amazing. Trust me. I'm telling you. So as you know, showing up here and having real conversations so we can normalize the challenging things and really prompt you to reconsider your normal. This is why we're here and it's so important to us and it means the world that you are sharing this space with us. Together, as we move through, we can continue getting more and more people dropping the veil and challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. So for being here and joining us, thank you. Until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values? 